Hello and welcome back to the Corpiform Corner. This week we're going to do something new. I'm sharing with you an exclusive 10-minute clip from one of the GI Map mentorship lectures that I've been doing. So for those of you who don't know, this first cohort, the past 12 weeks, um, we've been diving deep into learning the GI Map. So I go through everything there is to know, how to read, how to analyze, how to treat you get PDF treatment protocols for Candida, H. pylori, parasites, SIBO, um, everything, right? Um, patient handouts. You get um, two weeks off, and during those two weeks, we have exclusive masterminds. So this first cohort has been absolutely obsessed. They loved it. You can go to fitwithdasha.com. I put all the links down below if you want to read more about it, if you want to um, hear their feedback, if you want to see what else is involved and learn a little bit more. Um, but I did want to offer to you guys just like a 10 minute clip, um, a little bit of a sneak peek of what we talk about in the course, see if it's of value to anyone listening. Um, this week we are going to share about H. pylori. So if you guys enjoyed, be sure to let me know. Um, I might give you another sneak peek. Again, this is like 10 minutes of the 12 weeks of, <laughs> of information and the depth of knowledge that we go into. So if you enjoyed this, let me know. Um, there are links to sign up for the waitlist as well as links to hop on a call with me and explore if this is a good option for you, for your business, or just for your um, education. So without further ado, Here's a 10 minute clip. Additionally, you have to treat H. pylori before you treat SIBO. Um, so the reason being is because if there is low stomach acid in the body and it is being suppressed, the stomach acid is being suppressed in the body by the H. pylori, you will have very much difficulty clearing out SIBO because there is something that's constantly causing this low stomach acid that's not the SIBO. So if H. pylori is around. It is very easy to clear. Just clear it out in addition to the SIBO protocol and just kind of combine the two together. The other time that you want to be treating H. pylori, even if it is negative here, is if there is a positive virulence factor. Virulence factors, as we talked about, are associated with increased risk of cancers, ulcers, etc. So if there is a strain of H. pylori present in this human being that is positive for a virulence factor, throw in some masticum in there. Just throw in some oregano and garlic. You're probably going to be using them anyways for your antimicrobials for whatever else you're treating. And again, H. pylori is so easy to clear out that it's like, why not get rid of this risk factor just in case? Um, and then if it's high, you're going to want to treat it here. I, I mentioned this one because it's literally, if you look at the normal levels, it's 1.1 versus 1.0. So it's just on the cusp of being high. So again, see what the patient's like, see what you really want to do. Take your clinical judgment into mind here. Um, again, here, would you treat it? Would you not? I personally, again, would not unless they were super symptomatic, but at this point, I really probably would not treat this person. So at the doctor's office, what do they do for treatment? Um, doctor's office, they will initiate a combination therapy, which is triple, which is a triple therapy. They'll put you on two antibiotics. I listed them all here, usually tetracycline or clarithromycin or amoxicillin, um, as well as a PPI to really, really help to lower um, that acid reflux. 
um, and, and reduce your risk of ulcers. Um, bismuth is another really great one, Pepto-Bismol. I use it in my practice all the time. Um, and then they'll do a follow-up stool test after and four weeks after antibiotics are completed. You want to make sure that you give your body some time to kind of remodulate after antibiotics before testing. And same thing I like to say with antimicrobials, because it's almost like, all right, we did the antimicrobials. Now let's kind of like give the body a chance to see, like reestablish itself before we test again, because at that point, like where are our levels at naturally when it starts to kind of rebound on its own a little bit. Um, with that said, I also just wanted to point out that amoxicillin, tetracycline, and clarithromycin all are on the GI map as antibiotic resistance genes that you can, you can double check with. So this is a sure tell sign like, oh, that my client has H. pylori and they show up as resistant to one of the antibiotics you'll know in your practice, like, hey, when you do go to the doctor's office, and if you do choose to go through this therapy, make sure that they don't give you whatever you're resistant to, okay? So that's just something to note here, because again, they're going to be using those three types of antibiotics when treating them. So over-the-counter, our treatment goals are to lower inflammation as much as possible caused by the acidic environment, and this is to prevent ulcers and gastric cancer risk. Yes, H. pylori is super easy to clear out, but we need to do it fast, especially if they have a virulence factor. We need to be aggressive. Um, we want to remove the bacterial infection, heal the lower esophageal sphincter, consider weaning off of a PPI if they were put on one in the meantime to clear it out and then re-inoculate healthy gut bacteria as much as possible. How are we gonna do this through diet, histamine elimination, and we'll go into why we're doing that specifically in a little bit. Gluten, dairy-free, alcohol, coffee, NSAIDs, no artificial sweeteners, chewing gums, sodas, GERD triggers in general, right? Chocolate, onion, garlic, citrus, all these things that are not only high histamine, but, um, but also GERD triggers too. So um, when it comes to GERD, what are we thinking? We're thinking not laying down after you eat. You want to make sure you're eating um, your last meal two to three hours before bed so that you're not laying down and causing that acid reflux to come up. And we can talk more about it in a little bit. Um, over the counter, we're going to focus on whole foods, colorful fruits and veggies. Broccoli sprouts are really great for calming um, and the sulforaphane. Um, cabbage, celery, beets seem to be very, very calming for these people who have that high acid environment that don't just really don't tend to do well with a lot of foods. Of course, during this time, we're avoiding all these fermented and acidic foods that might be high in vinegars, kombuchas, bubbly things until after the kill-off phase. If they have diarrhea, we're gonna be attacking it with all the diarrhea tricks we have. Um, and if it's tolerable, we're going to aim for really nutrient-dense foods, of course, always. Six servings at least of steamed, very well-cooked, nutrient-dense veggies, kale, arugula, bok choy, carrots, sweet potato, beets. I mean, just because they're, they have an infection doesn't mean that we're not going to be focusing on really pushing them heavy with these really good nutrient-dense foods. Um, servings for vegetables would be um, typically 
or 85 grams is what usually it is. So it's between half a cup to a cup, but it depends on if it's fresh or cooked down, right? So like spinach is usually a cup um, or a half cup cooked. Um, and then what are the most common symptoms with H. pylori that would flag? Again, it's acid reflux, acid reflux and histamine issues. So it would be in this initial slide that we talked about. Um, H. pylori symptoms, these are the two. Acid reflux and then having a histamine sensitivity are the two red, red flags for um, GERD. Um, uh, lowering protein can help during this time, but it's really just important to, um, liquid protein can help as well as like bone broths and stuff to get in real protein. Again, the stomach acid part is why they're having difficulty digesting the protein. They don't have enough stomach acid to absorb and extract the B12. So we'll get into all of this stuff a little bit and later in the slide. So I'm just going to keep going a little bit. When it comes to H. pylori treatment, it's super easy, super quick, four to six weeks. Um, we are going to consider antibiotics from the doctor um, ASAP if they have extreme reactions, right? Because remember, four to six weeks of extreme acid environment is going to be worse for our patients than two weeks on antibiotics, a third of the time that we would need, right? So um, consider that when approaching certain people, because some people on the GI map, their H. pylori is going to flag up, but maybe their immune system is shot and they actually won't be able to tolerate antimicrobials very well because their liver isn't capable of, of, of that process. So maybe for that certain person, we would do antibiotics. We would do an H2 blocker like Pepto-Bismol that I elicited here. Um, or we put them on the PPI. They need that fast, really, really harsh relief. Um, that might be possible as well. Um, otherwise, oregano oil, garlic oil, masticum, tried and true, always works. Masticum too, always works like by itself. Um, sometimes oregano oil and garlic oil are other ones. You can use something like ADP. Oregano oil and garlic oil are firecrackers, okay? So firecrackers means that people are going to react pretty harshly to them on an empty stomach. ADP is a um, type of emulsified oregano oil that you can use for people who are extra sensitive during this time. However, I always like to start people with the firecracker because it's, it's effective kind of thing. Um, but what you can do to kind of help to mitigate that is actually have them consume it with a meal. And, um, and if they're consuming it with a meal, it just might prevent some of that harshness of the actual antimicrobial during that time. Um, other than that, you should, there's always timing issues. So obviously when it comes to thyroid medication, any sort of medication, you always need to check and make sure that these are safe to be using with your patients. Everything we went through in week one and week two in terms of um, drug nutrient interactions and things like that. Um, but timing wise, a lot of practitioners like to question whether you should take it away from food or with food. The reason 